The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. And with the NFL draft just days away, don't forget to check out First Draft with Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates. What a trio, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast, and what a Monday night it was in the NBA. Stephen Curry went berserk again, left poor George Hill somewhere along the red line at Philadelphia. We had a possible phantom foul decide a barn burner overtime game between the Suns and the Bucks as the Suns continue their improbable chase of the number one seed. Nikola Jokic, ho-hum, 47-15-8 and in double overtime with the game-winning three. And John Moran almost won that game by throwing a pass off the backboard to himself. What an absolutely audacious player John Moran is. But the highlight came in Philly. The MVP discourse is down to Jokic and Embiid, Jokic and Embiid. And we'll have a word on that uh, before we get into what happened in Philly last night. I was leaning Embiid by a teensy, teensy margin before you hurt his knee. I'm undecided now. I haven't decided. It absolutely sucks to have an injury change the MVP race. It's also something that happens almost every season. It's not a new thing. Jokic has played 800 more minutes than Embiid. 800. That has to matter. And again, I'm not saying who I'm voting for. This season, more than any season ever, has taught us to wait until the end. And there's a new candidate emerging that we're about to talk about right now. But I have never seen a minutes gap of that magnitude just being dismissed in some segments of the media way that that minutes gap between Jokic and Embiid has been dismissed, again, in some segments of the media. And I get that this season is unlike any other. And I do think it's actually correct to factor in games and minutes played a little bit less than usual given the pandemic reality that the NBA is trying to function in. I'm going to do that, actually, which is why I'm not casting my vote for anybody right now. A couple of Embiid's missed games were health and safety protocols related. And again, I had Embiid as the MVP before the injury. But the season being a little different, not a little different, a lot different, and tweaking you know, whatever traditional criteria you might use, that's not the same as just sort of waving away 800 minutes. So I've waved away. It doesn't matter. One way to define MVP is simply who has provided the most value to his team. Not saying that's how I do it, but it's one way people do it. If player A is almost exactly as good as player B, and player A plays almost double the minutes, by the most simple basic math, he has provided more value over the course of the season. Does that mean he's better? Maybe, maybe not. Does that mean he's the one I would choose for game seven against the Monstars? Maybe, maybe not. And by that logic, by the way, you might as well just vote LeBron MVP every year. He's the one we're all choosing for game seven against the Monstars. But for me, it's just not right to gloss over a minutes gap so big, even in this weird, arduous season. It has to be a factor, even if it's not as big of a factor as it might be in normal times. Even the fact that offense has exploded league-wide to an unprecedented level, it's also being used as a cudgel against Jokic in some corners. And it's true, offense has exploded league-wide to an unprecedented level. It's true that Embiid is a far, far better defender than Jokic. I do think Jokic is a little underrated on that end. I mean, I've called Embiid at full throttle, the most impactful defender in the NBA. But I'm not sure the league-wide explosion in offense accounts for Jokic shooting 57% overall, 42% on threes, 60% on twos. Might be inflating his assists a little bit, his total points a little bit. But that's also true of any player averaging career highs in those volume stats, including Joel Embiid. In any case, the race is not over. I was leading Embiid pre-injury. I'm not deciding until the end. It just seems like logic is being bent a little further than usual this time around to justify KZ or KSB or KC. Maybe that's inevitable in a strange season with a really crowded race. Like, imagine this. Imagine if you have Curry, Embiid, and Jokic on your five-man ballot. You only get five. You don't get 10. You don't get 12. You get five. If you have Curry, Embiid, and Jokic, that means only two of the following players are even appearing on your ballot. LeBron James, James Harden, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard. Four of those guys are being left off your theoretical ballot. Four of them. Some of those guys led the MVP race at some point. Well, Curry last night, amidst all this Jokic Embiid debate, went into Embiid's house and emphatically made his case to be on the ballot, at the very least. He now leads the league in scoring. He passed Brad Beal last night. Shafting 31.4 points, six assists, five and a half rebounds on 49% shooting, 43% on threes, 92% on free throws. 49, 43, 92. He's missed eight games, some, but fewer and maybe many fewer in the end than Embiid, Harden, and LeBron. 
Golden State is now 29 and 29. It would be basically unprecedented for a player on a 500 team to win MVP. But Curry is an unprecedented player. And he's enjoying one of the greatest scoring streaks in the history of the sport and the greatest shooting streak of all time. And I do think it's possible for the most valuable player, which is maybe is a little different than the best player period, to come from a 500-ish team. A lot of variables have to fall the right way. Don't get me wrong, but it's possible. Russell Westbrook won it for a 47 and 35 number six seed in 2017. I didn't vote for him, but that inched the precedent at least a little bit in the direction that, yeah, all the right things fall into place. The MVP can come from an okay team. Now, 47 and 35 is way better than 500. There's also the fact that Golden State without Klay Thompson is absolutely dead in the water without Curry. For this season, the Warriors are plus 3.5 per 100 possessions with Curry on the floor, and they have scored about 114 points per 100 possessions. That's like equivalent to the 10th or 9th or 11th offense in the NBA. Good, not great, but very good. Without him, when he's on the bench, they're minus 7 points per 100 possessions, and their offense scores at a rate that would rank way, way below the worst team offense in the league. But just be careful basing whatever argument you make for Curry too much on the limitations of his teammates. You should get extra credit, some, for lifting a limited roster, but only so much because the flip side of that is punishing a player because his teammates are too good, his team too well-constructed, his team too well-coached. Some teams do load up on talent to the point that it should be hard and is hard for any superstar on that team to be the most valuable player in the league to that particular team. The Durant Warriors would be an example of that. You would have been hard-pressed to vote for any of those guys as MVP. They just had too much talent. But there's no such team or candidate this season. Just like last season, it was not Giannis's fault that the Bucs were good enough and well-coached enough to outscore opponents when he rested. What mattered more, at least to me, was that Giannis turned a good team into a freaking supernova when he was on the floor, at least until the playoffs. Curry doesn't need the charity of you talking about the limitations of his teammates anyway. His brilliance, his absolute show-stopping brilliance makes its own case. The season isn't over. Let's see where every team and every player finishes before we cast our ballots. And with that, let's bring in the great David Thorpe to talk about most improved player. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. All right, let's welcome in one of my favorite listens, observers, writers of the NBA game and the college game too, and the high school game, all levels of the game, even below that, from True Hoop and straight from Florida, David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I couldn't be better. As I just told you out there, I get to see my kids for the first time in our own house on Sunday night for two weeks, uh, and I feel very fortunate, so I got no reason not to smile. That's great. Well, we did this last year, most improved player I like this podcast. Like, why not make a whole podcast out of this? These guys get better. Tons of players get better every year. We picked our top t- tentative. I want to be clear. Tentative top 10. This is not a binding choice. This is not what my top three is going to be necessarily when I do my ballot. So as usual, because I am an insane person, I started with like 55 names. I whittled it down to 30 names. And then I whittled that down slowly and painfully to 10 because that is the conceit that I invented. You did the same thing. And so now we're going to have a, a 10 are just 10. And I have some strange choices. This is a, I don't know if it's an open race. Cause I think people have a favorite in mind, but it's, it's a, it's a stranger race than usual. So coach Thorpe, you can start at the bottom. Give me, if you put them in order, I didn't even really put mine in order. Give me, give me your tentative 10th guy. 
So just real quick, there's a ton of auto mentions. We may we may get to them at some point. I yeah, will we'll, get, De- we'll get to those. Right. DeAndre Hunter, to me, was incredible, but he only played 20 games. So what I did, Zach, is I broke it down into uh, kind of like three different levels. So my bottom three are guys that I, I, I actually use a term you like to use. They, they kind of went from the trash fire to real players. And, and let me just qualify my statement. If you have a bounce back year, it has to be a career year. It can't just be you were bad last year, but you've been great before. No, you have to have a career year. And uh, and so my first guy I'll talk about, who I thought was ready to be, almost be out of the league, he was so bad, is Terry Rozier. He was one of my final, so he's an honorable mention for me. He was one of great. those final painful crossouts before I got to yep. my 10. I, I thought when it came down to picking All-Stars this year, I, I remember writing and saying, like, I don't get why – like he's not a borderline candidate to make the all-star team. I mean, his clutch shooting has been, I, he never misses in crunch time. <laughs> his offense, I mean, listen, his defense was so bad. That's why I thought of the term trash fire. He was one of the worst defensive players in the league last year. And then when you consider context, adding LaMelo Ball, they've already got Devontae Graham. I didn't know what was going to happen with him. And quite frankly, neither did the Hornets. He did not start the season well, but he's become one of the better, if not, you know, a leader as, as an offensive player. He's a dynamite player not even counting the clutch. So when you get late game, he's even better. So I think he's clearly proven to be a guy that's going to be around for a while, whereas a year ago I thought he, he may be a minimum guy after this contract's up. That's not the case anymore. 21 a game, and the big jump is 54% on twos. He's never been above 44% on twos. Um, the crunch time stuff is ridiculous. And, yeah, it's interesting. It shows you how unpredictable the NBA is. I mean, you know, the Hornets lost Kemba Walker. They allegedly overpaid for Terry Rozier, and it was like an organizational disaster. Why didn't you offer Kemba? He's earned it, this and that. And now it's like, uh, who would who who would you rather have? Like, what contract is 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 uh, is, is worse um, or better? Yeah, Boston could still have him. I'll, I'll say this too: when I looked at this, uh, Zach, I, I use a website called DunksonThrees.com. Me too. Because, okay, great. So he, it's it's NBA people have told me it's as good if, as there is, if not the best way to evaluate defense. It's still hard to do unless you just watch every game, and I can't watch every game every, every night. He was third percentile on defense last year. He's all the way up to 18th, so he's a long way to go. He's now the bottom 18%. Last year was the bottom third percent, which is why I thought he was headed toward the minimum deal. So offensively, he's become an elite player. Terry Rozier is my number 10 on the list of trash fire to solid players again. I'm surprised his defense. I mean, I don't think he's like a stopper or anything, but given his tools and stuff, I'm surprised that he rates that. I, I mean, I, I would say he strikes me as average. I, I would just by the eye test. I'm surprised that I haven't dug in, you know, to yeah. the film. I'm yeah. surprised he ranks that badly. All right, give me, give me your next guy. All right, so on the same list, I'll go with teammate Grayson Allen. He he was one of my initial crossouts. He was in like the list of forty, and. The reason he didn't make my final cut was it it felt like like he fell out of the rotation for a little bit and then now is the starting and playing well. So I felt like his season was a little too uneven, but make the case because I, I he was on my second cut, I guess. So so he was a decent offensive player last year. He rated 51st percentile. He jumped to 80th percentile on offense. But the key for most of these guys, as I've studied this over the years, is either they have to become solid on defense when they were terrible or – if they don't become solid on defense, and I guarantee you, you and I are going to have players on this list that are not solid on defense, but they're top three, four percent in the in the world offensively. So Grayson had to make progress in both because he's never going to be that kind of offensive player, and he has. He's up to he's up to seventy five percent on defense in terms of percentile. His PR went from twelve to fourteen, which is fine. He did a sixty one percent true shooting last year. It is not easy to do that every year. He's at sixty two right now. He's up to forty two percent on three. Uh, and he's taken more threes a game. I think he went from 3.7 to 5 point whatever. 5.8. Yeah. Almost and, 6 a game. 12 points a game, on, on, and he's shooting 41%, as you said, from threes. Yeah, and so when you take more threes, I actually think you can shoot better when you shoot more threes because you have more biofeedback from shot to shot, but you still have to do it. So the fact that he's doing all things for a, a likely playoff team, uh, if you watch them play as well, uh, he he does a lot of nice things. Grayson Allen is someone that um, – I've got two Grizzlies on this list. I wasn't sure which would rank. It doesn't really matter. But he is someone that has become a real player. And I'm not sure he was a real player last year. 
I don't have any Grizzlies on my list, so I'm very curious to see on my list of 10. So I'm curious to see who the other one is. So he's always going to be dogged by two things that are yeah. fair and unfair. Number one is the tripping stuff and he, that he went to Duke. The combination of tripping people and going to Duke <laughs> is just not is not going to endear you to lots of people. Apologies to the Duke Mafia. And the Ted Cruz resemblance is just going to dog him forever. There's nothing you can do about that. It's not his fault that he looks like a young Ted Cruz. I actually think, Coach, I when I watched him play – I actually think he's a pretty solid defender. Like he knows where to be. He gets his hands in the passing lanes a lot. Like he plays with his arms out and gets deflections. He's active. He's 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 feisty and he does not look out of place as an NBA starter. So I agree he belongs on this sort of broader discussion. There's a well, you and I talked off off air and and via text during the week. Uh, you said you went from 50 down. I went from 30 and then I it grew. Because as I'm watching games the last three, four days, I'm like, how am I not considering this guy? So mine went to like 38. And then I started paring it back down. And, and I could have easily gone 15, 16. But I got I got Grayson there. And, and just while I'm on a roll and then I want to hear some of yours, I have teammate Kyle Anderson on the list. He was uh, He's, again, in that s- second cut. And, and yeah. slow-mo has had he, – he's cooled off a little bit recently from three, but he's still like 37% or something. His scoring is up. I want to say by five points a game or something. More than double. Yeah, he went yeah. from five. Well, almost. Yeah, he went from five point eight to twelve point two. Uh, uh, he is someone that was always a good defensive player. I think you would agree, and terrible at offense. And as I said, you 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 can't continue to grow in this game if you're not growing on both sides, unless you become elite at one side or the other, right? And and so he has. He's a solid player on both ends now. Again, for for a good team. Uh, Kyle Anderson is a starter on a likely playoff team that can be your best player for small moments. He certainly can't be your best player for a game. Expect to win a lot of games. And so he, I don't listen. I don't love either guy aesthetically Grayson or Kyle, but I just have to look at where I thought their progress was and respect it. And that's why I put him on there. I misstated his three point percentage. He's actually down to 34%, but he's taken 473 threes in his career, his career. Yeah. 209 of them have come this it's season. Good. So this yeah. is, a, I, I like candidates like that. So everyone gravitates to different sorts of candidates for this award, which is why it's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. I like the candidates who um, improve in one very important area. I like that, like adding a new skill almost is is obviously a form of improvement. I tend to gravitate to those guys. So I like slow-mo's candidacy. And I, I like watching him because he's one of the only players ever who has weaponized his own slowness. Like his slowness <laughs> is in advance. Like you can see he For starts sure. a, he starts a dribble move and the defender moves to the place where they expect Kyle Anderson to be in the process of this dribble move. And he gets there and I'm like, oh shoot, he's not here yet. He's so slow, he hasn't arrived. And then Kyle Anderson kind of Euro steps back the other way and all of a sudden he's open and the defender's like, this guy's too slow for me to guard properly. He's like, he's like, he's like the guy... When I used to play hearts in college, you'd always get a neophyte who didn't really understand strategy, and he'd pass you all the wrong cards, all the stupid cards, like make, like uh, objective mistakes. And he'd and he'd do great for like three rounds because everyone would be like, "I don't know how to deal with this interloper who doesn't understand strategy." That's Kyle Anderson. Um, no, yeah. I want to keep with your list. Give me your okay. next. Let's just keep going on your list because we haven't overlapped yet. We will soon, I think. Yeah. All right. So, so those are my guys that went from trash fire to legit players. And now I'm going to what I call the guys that show up on a scouting report later to front page guys, first page scouting report guys. Like it. Uh, the, the, and there's going to be, I think, more up your alley too. So of the two, I have two on this. Jeremy Grant's one of them. Uh, our, fir- our, for our first overlap. That's an easy one, right? Yeah. Right. That's yeah. The, I think everything else I have here is probably a little more common. So uh, we always knew who he was. Now, keep in mind, he's my favorite player of all time. Uh, after Magic Johnson, probably. I loved him coming out of Syracuse in the draft. I implored a, a team I was talking to, you have to take this kid the first round. I made my case. They ignored me. He, he didn't go much much later because he went early second. And we've, we've kind of known who he's been through his time in Denver. He had the great surge in OKC. No one, including me, saw this. Right. Well, all of a sudden... He's he's a 20 point per game guy. And I would argue and I know he's not playing quite as well. He's also wearing down. I think I would argue he's by himself. Imagine had he won had he one other all star type teammate next to him. But I I think he still could do the same thing and be more efficient. Uh, So you just have to respect a guy that makes that kind of jump. 
Uh, when he could have just chosen to stay on a, a likely playoff team or a contender, he wanted to go see how good he could be. James Harden did the same thing. Harden left a better team, but Harden still wanted to see if he can go be an MVP. Well, Grant wanted to go see if I can be the man. And maybe he should not be the best player. Maybe he wouldn't be the best player on a playoff team. He's good enough to be at least the second best player at 20 points a game on a playoff team. Uh, I, I, I have amazing respect, and I'll tell you, an executive who, who once had him told me, he, like, he's one of the greatest kids of all time. Like, you want your daughter to marry him, your son to be his best friend. He's an amazing person. So, I'm a huge Jeremy Grant fan. 22 points a game plus 10 over last year. I mean, you just mm-hmm. – you can nitpick the efficiency. Like, he's down to 43% yeah. from the field, 35% from three. But that kind of jump – yeah. In in the context that you described is like you're you're not only on the front page you are the whole the whole scouting report is right, just you at the, yeah. it's like Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bay can shoot that's the scouting <laughs> right. and like box out Isaiah Stewart that's the whole scouting report right and right. you know I had him on my podcast maybe two months ago yeah and I asked and I asked him you know do you feel it yet the the like do you feel it in your body and in your mind the toll that it's going to take on you to be the guy. And I expected sort of an anodyne answer, like, oh, you know, I just work hard and do my, you know, play my game. And he was on. He said, no, I'm I'm already, it feels different for sure, physically and mentally. And I think he is wearing down a little bit. And by the way, in a pandemic season, going from the fifth or fourth option to the number one option, of course he's wearing down. And by the way, a word on the Pistons. A lot of people made fun of their offseason, and I was not above poking fun at their accumulation of centers, which, by the way, um, was not that big of a deal. They traded Tony Bradley almost yeah. immediately. And even in my free agency roundup, when I poked a little fun at them, like I, I would have just rather kept Christian Wood than all the rigmarole they went through. And I still think I'd rather have done that. Right. But what I wrote in my analysis was none of this is going to matter if the draft picks hit. And so far, the draft picks have hit. Sadiq Bay is good. Very good. Isaiah Stewart, if you're not on the beef stew bandwagon, Get on the beef stew bandwagon right now. And Killian Hayes, he only played seven games or something. People declared this dude a bust after like a week and an injury. Looks pretty damn snazzy as a playmaker now. Is there a star there? Who the hell knows? It doesn't really matter right now. Maybe they get the star in the draft. So good on the Pistons. Okay, give me your next guy. We agree on Jeremy Grant. So the same idea of a guy that was clearly on people's scouting reports last year, was just low on the list, and now is uh, is in the you're very much the forefront will be Michael Porter Jr., also, Again, pretty, also overlap for me. Yeah, you, you can't miss that. He he's become a terrific offensive player. You can cite all the statistics that they're they're right in front of you. I know, but uh, I, in in talking to players who played the Nuggets last year, you had to make sure you guarded MPJ when he was open. Like that was pretty much the extent of what you had to deal with him. That's not the case anymore, especially with the way they play him with Jokic, his movement without the ball. He, he's a hell of a shooter. Im, Im, improved on defense. Um, he, if you don't pay attention to him, he's going to beat you. Like he's good enough and he's enough a part of their offense where they will take advantage of him with or without Aaron Gordon. They were going to use Michael Porter Jr. to bludgeon you if you weren't paying attention. And, and just, I want to pick up something you said, Zach, regarding Jeremy Grant. The same thing is true to some extent to MPJ as he grows. The enormous amount of, of, uh, pressure, and energy it takes to produce night in, night out when you're one of the top guys. I remember watching Dwayne Wade early in his career grow from the rookie sensation to the guy that took them in 06 to beat the Mavericks against double teams much of the last few games of the series. And I was texting players that I was helping that were younger and writing, do you see how hard this is to be that good game after game after game? Grant has doubled his free throw attempts. That takes energy. It takes discipline and commitment. Porter Jr. is in the same boat as he – I thought he was a horrendous defensive player last year. He's not anymore. He's at least solid, if not better than solid. His awareness off the ball is very important. So, again, no-brainer. He, he's on anyone's list, I would assume. And I think he's a candidate to win it. Based you, on how the media votes, I think he's a candidate to win it. You nailed it just now. So I think some voters might be tempted to dismiss – not dismiss him, but minimize his candidacy as he's just an opportunity candidate, right? Like he was always a great shooter. He was always a great scorer. All that's happened now is he's getting an opportunity, and right. so his numbers are up. And that is true, but only to a limited degree. Right. Uh, he has improved his all-around game. I wrote maybe six weeks ago in my 10 Things column that he was becoming – at least not a liability on defense anymore and was making some rotations off the ball 
where you said to yourself, ooh, he's starting to internalize the patterns yeah. of the game a little bit, and he's a playmaker on defense. He's a oh, shot yeah. blocker. He's a rebounder, yeah. and he's not just a shooter, man. You know this. He is like a Lights capital out. S. Yeah. You, If you have a guy who's three inches shorter than him and that guy is in his jersey, it does not matter. He is right. going to knock it down. So I think he's a perfectly legitimate candidate. And Grant, I, I think Grant is probably likely to land on the ballot. The thing with Grant I meant to say is, you know, the 2.9 assists per game is the thing that I'm interested to see is, can he can he get to the point where he's a little better making plays for others? Porter doesn't have to do that because he has the greatest passing big man yeah. ever making plays for everybody from thin air. But that's my area of curiosity with Grant. Okay, we're rolling now with overlaps. So give me to your next guy. All right, so here I've got my final my final one, and and again, and you know this, I texted this to you. You know, player development has been my my life since I was pretty much twenty five years old, and uh, I started an app I told you about at uh, the, theprotrainingcenter.com, where we're kind of virtually training players, where literally it's my voice and they text me and we talk and we're using video where I can guide players, and I'm in my opinion the hardest jump to make, Zach, in the NBA is not the first two things I've talked about, which is going from trash fire to average or from scouting report to front page scouting report. The hardest jump is to go from very good player to elite player, the lead guy. That's why I thought last year Luca deserved to be number one. So I've got five guys that, in my opinion, have made that that leap. The hardest thing to do. Five from good to great. Right. So I'm going to say say just to be playful, not to be playful, it's not entirely facetious. I have two guys in my 10 that I included almost just for fun, but also because it's interesting that I would say they're in this good to great category. I'm interested to see if you have them, but they're like, for me, they're like great to incredible. Yeah. So yeah. I'm interested to see if any of them are in your five. Go ahead. Oh, start I, with I'd one. be surprised they're not. So the uh, I, I have them ranked. I don't know that I really spent that much time worrying about it. Clearly, we have not spent a lot of time right. doing our <laughs> uh, I I've got Zach Levine on that list. Ooh. I crossed him out as one of my last cuts. So Zach Levine, again, another guy, I've been wrong about a few of these guys. Zach Levine, I always worried about, I thought he was at best Jamal Crawford, maybe maybe even a better Jamal Crawford. If people who listen to you may not remember the Jamal Crawford you and I remember. But before there was a Lou Will off the bench, there was a Jamal Crawford who was a bucket, just an absolute bucket. And, And to me, Levine was always a good offensive player. Nobody could really argue that. He's become a great offensive player and improved enough on defense. He's top 4% in the league overall in what we call estimated plus minus from dunks and threes. His true shooting, which last year was good at 57, considering he was their best offensive player, is now 64. His EFG percentage is 53 to 59, 38 to 42 from three percentage-wise, 64% at the rim, Zach, last year he went 31% mid-range, and he again, he's taking the toughest shots on the team, to 45%. That's very hard to do, and it's a huge jump. Of course, he's scoring more from 19.5 to 21.85, I think. No, that's his PER. So his PER is growing over 21. He's up. Part of the reason I I didn't have him is he's hit a little bit of a slump lately, so his shooting has gone from like otherworldly to just awesome, which just awesome, whatever. <laughs> but he did average 25 and a half last year yeah. on 45% shooting, 38% from deep. He's at 27 and a half now, so plus two on 51% overall, 41 and a half from deep. So I, I get it. He's a more efficient scorer. I, I would like to see the turnovers come down like he commits his assist to turnover ratio for a player of his magnitude is bad. He commits just maddening turnovers. I, I get it. I just he just didn't make my final final cut. But you're you're kind of convincing me because I, look, I, I had him on my All Star roster, and I have been a Levine skeptic too. And yeah. I had him on my All Star roster yeah. because the scoring is just outrageous, and his one on one defense has gotten better. His team defense to me yeah. is a little hit or miss, to be generous. Sure. But I, I get it. I, I I'm not opposed to it. And I'll show one more thing on the turnover thing. He he had three point four turnover three point four turnover the game last year. Three point six, I think, this year. And yet he's doing more. He's, he's added an assist a game to his repertoire. He's running even more, and yet he's not turning the ball over more. He, he By the way, he'd be a guy who would really benefit from Chris Paul. right? Well, he, should benefit, he should benefit from Vucevic. I mean, that's the idea is to right. take some of the playmaking burden off Absolutely. of him a little bit. Absolutely. He's just on his own. We'll see in time, obviously. you know. And I think and Zach didn't play his last game. He, he is. I still think he's better off being 
more of a pure score, less of the ball is always in my hands, decision maker. And I think you've talked about his his decision making is suspect. Absolutely fair to say. I think the Bulls would say that too. But he, he to, to I'll say this again and again, these last five guys. To go from really good to one of the best in the league is just so impossibly hard. It's why these guys get all the money. And they and I get it. It's just that difficult to be the man every night and produce every night. And so because that's why I have five guys and he's the first guy on that list. And Zach Levine, the minute they traded for Nikola Vucevic, they traded two first-round picks and Wendell Carter Jr. And then there was some other stuff in the trade. Wendell Carter Jr., by the way, frisky for the Orlando Magic. So I'm yeah. enjoying Wendell Carter, the Orlando version of Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah. It's the version I've wanted to see in Chicago. It just never happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, the minute the Bulls made that trade, I guarantee you Zach Levine's agents were rubbing their hands together like Mr. Burns in anticipation of that next contract because you just forfeited a lot of your future. You believe in me. I'm going to be up for a new contract, whether it's an extension or a new deal. Give me the money. I, you've talked me into it. I, I I don't think he's going to make my top three, but he is a worthy candidate. He's had a great season. Okay, give me your next good to great. Okay, in the same vein, and I think maybe, maybe the sneakiest name I have on the list, if you have it too, then it's not so sneaky, to use your term. I got Donovan Mitchell on there. He was one of my two very, very last cuts, and I'm thrilled that you brought him up yeah. because he just got injured. Yeah. Everybody held their breath for like an hour. Looks like it's going to be okay. So I think that name is going to surprise people. I 100% agree that he belongs in this conversation for reasons I, I suspect you're going to get into now. Yeah. So tell me why. Yeah, well, I'm going to let you throw out some of the stats. I obviously have all the stats written down. But again, he's a guy, first of all, he's on the best team in the league. And I, I watch all the Jazz games because I probably knew them least of all the contenders. And I just committed to watching. I, I've watched all these other teams for so many years. I need to watch the Jazz. I almost don't miss a minute of their of their game. So I can, I'm more familiar come playoff time because I do think they have a chance to win the championship, as most people do. Uh, he's their best player. As, as amazing as Rudy Gobert is, by the way, and deserving of MVP votes, probably, in my opinion. Mitchell, it, it, we saw what he did in the bubble last year in the playoffs. He's doing that more frequently. Uh, he's he's playmaking. He's guarding better. He's, he, again, you don't have to be a good defensive player when you're elite on offense. He's okay. He's just okay on defense. But with Rudy, it's easier just to be okay. And that's all they need from him because he does have to carry the ball. Remember, when you start switching everything with the Jazz, they've got plenty of, of, of lowercase playmakers. He's the only real playmaker. Conley is close enough. Conley also has had a great season, but I don't think it's a career year for him. So I couldn't put him on the list because he's much better than last year. Uh, Mitchell is a, an incredible shot maker. He's most improved as a three-point shooter, over 40% from three. That's a scary thought. He's one, of the bene- he's one of the best downhill drivers in the game. And so when you've got a downhill driver like that, who's very creative in, in terms of finishing and getting the free throw line the way he does now, it, which is not amazing, but it's better than before. And now he can shoot 40% from three. And he uses his skills, Zach, like a hammer. That is a team that wants to share the ball, Zach. They want to move the ball. They want. They have lots of. They have nine players that can really play. Not ten. When they have one guy out, they're not the same team. But they have nine real players on that team. And yet, when they need something, he can deliver. That's not easy to do. Um, his improvement. I mean, look. In the last month, he's been just scorching, and so everyone kind of took note of it. Which is why the injury, when when it looked like it might be serious kind of hit you in the stomach a little bit. Yeah. I think he's played his way into the all-NBA conversation at the very least. I haven't sat down and done my ballots yet. Um, But his improvement is the kind of improvement that you can miss if you don't watch the Jazz a lot. Like, he just got a little better at a lot of things. So 39% from three, that stands out. A free throw more per game, an assist more per game. But it's not just the assist because this is not a team – where he is going to get a ton of assists because right. they have so many playmakers. Right. It's the overall decision-making. He's getting off of it a little early when he should. He's and what My favorite thing about his season this season is he's bought into their system even more. He's already bought in, but he's bought in even more in the sense that he's active off the ball. He'll yeah. cut, he'll move, he'll screen. And when your best player, your best perimeter player, buys into that part of the offense – it just makes life so much easier for everybody else. And to your point, the ball movement is beautiful. The blender is beautiful. All that stuff, you know they're going to face more switching in the playoffs. Yep. And you know that their best answer 
not their only answer, but their best answer by far is Donovan Mitchell. And without his ability to just go get a good shot, their offense would take a bigger hit in the playoffs than I think it's going to. They He is irreplaceable for them. He, I agree he's probably their best player. Um, so I think he belongs in this conversation. He was like my 12th guy out of 10. He, he's got one other thing for the, the New Yorkers out there. When I watch him play, I'm reminded of a skill that Bernard King had, which was an early release jumper. So when you when Bernard had lots of different ways to get a shot off, but one of the things he used to do was he would shoot it on the way up so very quickly, right? And most guys tend to jump to the tide of the jump and then they shoot it. Bernard shot it earlier before the defense really got their hand up. Donovan does the same thing. Watch watch him, especially late in, in games, when he knows he can't afford to get the shot even contested a little bit or blocked a little bit. He just gets that early release. And he's a bucket. Yeah, he's amazing. The guys right, I now, noticed, the guys I noticed the early shot release, yeah. like the on the way up release yeah. more, are are interior players. Like Thad Young is a wizard. Amazing. It's just like his feet are on the ground and yeah. his jump yeah. hook is up, and the defender's yeah. like, wait, what happened? And Vooch is pretty good at that too. Vooch yeah. gets rid of the ball on his hook shots re- really, really fast when the defense is coming. Okay, give me another name. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, Birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons. Watch out for them. You name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right, so my final three in, in this, again, the good to great category. Um, I just love these guys. Uh, Clint Capella has gone from being uh, a good defensive player, uh, okay offensive player, to dynamite. Amazing defensive player. There's like two centers, Zach, that are top 6% in terms of percentile on defense and even you know top 12, 13% on offense. He and Rudy Gobert, that's it. He is that kind of player. He's improved dramatically. I have some of his numbers here. I know you can look them up too. I, I took some notes on some things he's done. But he is overall, he's he's one of the best players in the league now. And uh, he's gone to the 25 PER. Last year, he was at 20. This is his career high. Uh, he's blocking over two shots a game. He's But more than that, and you know this well, it's not just blocking shots. It's just getting in the way, right? Being in the way. Marcus Saul isn't blocking shots. He's still an elite defensive player. Not an offensive player anymore, but elite defensive player. Uh, and here's one thing I really liked about him, too. His turnovers are down to 1.2 a game, which is the lowest it's been since he was a kid and never touched the ball anyway. So he's more involved in what they're doing offensively. What does he have, like 15 or 14? Or yeah, 15, 15 and a half and 14 and a half. 15 yeah. and a half points, 14 and a half rebounds. Leads the league in rebounds. That, that jump on a team that's really kind of a mixed bag of veterans and young players – uh, they've had a coaching change. He has been even more stable than Trey. As good as Trey is, Trey's kind of taken a step back a little bit, in my opinion. Uh, uh, this guy oh, that's has not it. that's not an opinion. Trey Young took a step, took a yeah, small step right. back this year. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think Clint, I, I didn't expect to pick Clint Capella, by the way. I just when I was studying the data and watching the games, I just realized this is not the same guy. He's never been this guy before. And I've always been a huge fan. I I, I remember texting Daryl one time. Uh, he's the best. He's the best steal of the draft. I said, "How'd you do it again?" He's the steal of the draft. This was back, obviously, his first year, and he keeps growing. And again, I'll say this over and over again: it's so hard to do this. The, my my next guy, I'm going to mention number two. It's the same thing. At some point, you think you'll stop developing, and I just again, as a development coach, I love the guys that don't stop. Whether it's adding a skill to the game, like you talked about, or just overall improvement. 
Uh, they're not at their peak at 26 necessarily. There's a lot of guys on my list that are 27. You can keep getting better. You just have to work. And in a pandemic year, like you said, with this schedule and no practice, it's hard. What Capella's done is pretty amazing. He has been the most important player on the Atlanta Hawks this year. Their rotation has been absolutely decimated. But I mean, half their team is injured all the time. Um, and Trey Young's been up and down. He missed a few recent games. Collins in and out of the lineup. Gallo, Bogey, on and on. Just the through line of their season Clint is Capella. Clint Capella every single night. And to your point, the rebounds and the shot blocks, he's not chasing those numbers. Nope. Like he will box out if he needs to. He's not just leaving his guy to go chase rebounds. And, and, he, and he's not swatting at shots he can't get and giving up offensive rebounds as a result. He's not chasing blocks. He's not chasing those numbers. He's just getting them yeah. diligently. And we all know what he does as a pick and roll guy. I, I, I he, he didn't make my 10, but I have no objection to him. I think he actually, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he gets his his name into like all defense kind yeah. of case, uh, third yeah. team, all NBA center. Like, I don't really, I think the all NBA centers are pretty clearly going to be Jokic and yeah. Gobert, but yeah, for sure. He, he, you got to at least like go to basketball reference and look at Clint Capella's numbers in that, in the process of doing that. Well, and don't forget, when you talk about the best player on the Hawks, they're they're number nine in net rating. That surprised me. They they are, and you know, I actually like Lloyd Pierce very much. Uh, they got healthy and they made a coaching change. That combination has made them a top ten team uh, in terms of net rating, and he's without question, in my opinion, their best player. So I I had to give him that. But my final two were my two right right away. Can I, I can I try, can I try to guess? Yeah, one is going to be Jalen Brown. That's amazing. So I remember I texted you yesterday about I gotta I gotta eliminate one from my top ten. He was the guy eliminated. I ended oh. up putting Zach instead. I, I didn't I did not have him there, but I, I salute you, Zach, if you have he's on your list because he's on he my, definitely he's been on my list until this morning. He's on my list. So why Good don't we talk you. about him for a couple minutes because we haven't done my list. I, I just think he's the sort of apex version of the guy yeah. who has gotten a little like what I said about Donovan Mitchell got a little better at a lot of different things. To me, Jalen Brown has the best version of that case. Like Tobias Harris has a version of that case. I'm not sure if he's on your yeah. list or not. No, um, I look at him, yeah. But Jalen Brown, his assists are up to like three and a half, four a game, which doesn't sound like much, but this is a guy who could not play make at right. all as right. recently as basically a season ago. His right. shooting numbers remain amazing. I think he's like plus six or seven points. I'd have to look up his, his scoring right now. It's plus a lot. Yeah, it's up. Uh, yeah, I have it. I, I took notes on him because he was on my he was on my list too. Uh, only plus four and a half a game, uh, but you know, fifty percent shooting, forty percent from deep. A little better defensively, better playmaking. He's a, not a top three guy for me, but I, I he was he, I thought he was going to be one of your two guys. That's my case for Jalen Brown. But um, who, who, who then I'm wrong. I don't then I don't know who your top two are. I, I I'm not even going to venture a guess. All right, so my number two guy is Julius Randle. Uh, well, uh, I should have known that because he's, yeah. he's number one on my list. Right, I figured that. So I figured most people have the number one. I, my number one I don't think people are going to agree with, which I'll deal with that in a minute. Uh, I'll let you make the case for Julius. It's pretty obvious. Uh, I, regarding Jalen Brown, regarding Julius Randle, regarding these guys, that final leap is just such a challenge. For, for Jalen to continue to do what he's doing, uh, in the context of Kemba's issues and, of course, Jason Tatum uh, coming around now, but, you know, went through some struggles. Jalen's been so incredibly consistent that I love that term you use, apex predator. He's he's really become that. He's a scary guy to play against. He's a tough shot maker, too. He makes his footwork. Oh, yeah. he's, he knows how to get himself space for turnarounds and mid-rangers, which are the shots that nobody wants anymore, but sometimes right. you have to take them. For sure. And, and he's really good at, at getting a little window for those shots, and he's, like, pretty good at making them, too. Yeah, so and Randall is now, I mean, yeah, career high from from three. Uh his mid-range is good, his free throw percentage is 80%. Uh his numbers are up. But there's another thing, uh, Zach, I want to mention with all of these guys, every one of these guys in, in this my group, my group of 10. Uh, you know, I wrote a book years ago, Basketball is Jazz. I wrote it, I called it that for a reason. Uh if you I'm not a musician. If I was, and I I actually like music a lot. You can't have a band and have the drummer just decide to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. No, there's a time and a place. There's a synchronicity, right, to, to what music is supposed to be when it's at its best. Basketball is very much the same in a way that other sports don't really have. A wide receiver can zig when he should have zagged. And if he gets open, the quarterback might still see him. You can't do that in a five-on-five -five game on a small court like basketball is played on. 
Julius Randle has improved just how to play. He's another step up in how to play, as every guy on my list is. And because of that, your metrics go up because you're just your impact on the court is better than they would be if you don't know how to play. So to me, again, Julius Randle, I think, is probably going to win it. He's number two on my list. So he's a really interesting candidate because he's clearly made a leap, right? Yeah. Everyone knows that. He's in the All-NBA conversation, for for God's sake. Um, And yet two seasons ago, he averaged 21-9 and on 52% shooting for the Pelicans. You're like, wow, I kind of forgot that Pelican season. He was he was awesome for them. Has he really improved that that much? I mean, is it 24 and 11? That's a lot. And and then you want to say, well, is it just fluky shooting, right? Like, is this three-point thing really – is he really a 40% three-point shooter after being 27, 22, 34 in prior years? Mid-range shooting the same – I mean, you watch the Knicks. It feels like half their possessions are give the ball to Julius Randle – Jab step, jab step, fade away jumper. It goes in here like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do if he's going to make that? But then, well, I can't just dismiss that improvement as a fluke. It's probably not a fluke. He's in better shape. He's worked really, really hard on his shot. And to me, to your point, more than the three-point percentage that everyone is going to focus on, the thing that makes his case for me is the six assists a game because this is a guy who would be reckless with the ball, who would drive into three defense, just walls of people without a plan and try to force a shot or throw the ball away at the last minute. He is making the right basketball play every single time. I mean, that's a little hyperbolic, but when he has the ball, he's off of it early. When he sees a shooter open, he knows where you can tell he knows where everybody is. And and more importantly, where they're going to be. And he's just making the right pass every single time. He's making Reggie Bullock's life easier. He's making RJ Barrett's life, but who's another guy who's on my list, by the way, RJ Barrett's life easier. He's making it just he just makes the right basketball play as a decision maker. And that to me, more than the shooting, that and and it's translated to defense. So he's playing the best defense of his career by a lot. It, everyone's gonna focus on the shooting. It's those other things to me that make both his case and have made the Knicks this year. Career low turnover rate, not turnover, turnover rate, to your point. Uh this is knowing how to play. And I'll say this on RJ Barrett. I, I I didn't, he's on my original list. When I first started listing people, I had a list of 22 the first time. And I went down the entire NBA roster. I had 22 and he, of course, was up there. And I ended up putting up there for different reasons. I don't mind that he's a second-year player. I don't, have, I don't have a bias against that. My my number one pick is a second-year player. Uh, and he clearly improved his three-point shooting. Uh, RJ did. And, and his overall, like he's a much better basketball player. I ended up putting Rogier in his spot in a sense because I think it's harder. But all right, my my pick, wait 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 yeah. hold on hold on let me do R.J. Barrett for a second. Okay, please. The second year thing is tough because you do second year players rarely win because you know you're expected to improve. Right. It's not surprise. But then third year players win all the time. You're like wait wait was I not expected to improve all of a sudden? I don't oh, know why, why is right. the third year player like always right. winning. Um, like I think C.J. McCollum won in his third year. Old Depot I think maybe won in I don't know if it wasn't his third year, but third year players win a lot. RJ is up to 45% overall, 38% on threes on much higher, not much higher volume, but a little bit higher lately. Yeah. Uh, his playmaking is a little better. His free throw shooting is better. I just, he's just, when you watch him play, he's just a much more polished player defensively, For offensively, sure defensively. on yeah. and off the ball. So he's not, he was on my list of 10. So we've now made the, we've now done the, so the Knicks had two of my 10. So your number one guy is a second year player who has made the leap. From good to great. No, good to elite. Good you, to you know elite. Who's who's the best player in that class? How am I not getting this? He he's a lefty that dunks the ball every other possession. A lefty that dunks. Oh well, uh, yeah, he was a he was on my list. He was on, he, the big so, fellow was the big fellow was on my list. Right. So the reason why I picked Zion is mostly out of a bias towards how impossible his season is. It doesn't happen. Like Ben Simmons has been the same player, by the way, for three straight years until this year. It, 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 the, watch, look at all the elite players. It is not easy to get that much better from year one to year two. And I know he only played a few games last year. He didn't play a lot, which to me makes it even more impressive. And, and he is now the focal point of their offense early in the offense, right? The ball's in his – and I know you've talked about this. He, he's their, in a sense, point God, right? He is in charge of everything. Uh, and yet he's just throwing – he's Shaq. With, as a ball handler. And I just don't think it's ever done. Like, it's so hard to do what he's doing. 
Uh, and to do it every night when you are the only guy showing up on the scouting report. I know this because I've seen scouting reports and I've talked to players about it. As good as Brandon Ingram is, he barely gets a mention these days. It's Zion Williamson. And nobody can do a damn thing about it. You know he's going left. It doesn't matter. He'll go left and still score. What he's doing is just incredible. I think he's the most improved player. Uh, his minutes are similar, and yet he's become a – he was, I think, 70th percentile last year. Uh, he's 94th percentile this year in, in estimated plus minus at dunksandthrees.com. His usage rate's about the same, and yet he's doing more. So to me, he was, he was the guy. Yeah, it's the assists that have really jumped for him. Um, his defense is still what it is. Like, there's a long way to go. I think he's probably a little better than he was last he's year. A little better. He's um, not great yet. But when you're that good on offense, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you've made the case. I he didn't make my top ten. Actually, Adam is one of my last cuts, and I don't really know why. I have no good explanation for why. There's it's so just, many players. He's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I mean, what what can you do? What can you say? He's every twenty. There's nothing you can do about him. Maybe he belongs on my list. I don't, I don't know. I want to hear some of your guys. There, I, there's there's not no, a lot of overlap. There's no reason. For him not to be in the conversation, except that he's a second-year guy that was a number one pick, and sort of you feel as if this is anointed, right? You feel as if this is inevitable. Um, and it's not. That's, he is inevitable, though. He is inevitable. He going he to the doing. basket is inevitable and get out of his goddamn way because you're going to get injured. He is inevitable, but that slot isn't. And that's why I have so much respect for what he's doing. Uh, DeAndre Ayton has improved. Like I, I considered him on the list, but he didn't make that jump. I mean, almost no one makes this jump. Luca did. And that's why I thought Luca on your show last year said he'd my pick. Aiden's, I don't think he was your pick, but he's clearly up there. Aiden's an interesting case. He didn't make my list, but I. It, it's funny. He's the sort of like his statistics have not budged at all. In fact, they've declined. But if you watch them play, even he last night play. he guarded Giannis and did yeah. not look out of place guarding Giannis. I, think, I thought he did quite well. He did. Um, he's just a better basketball player. If you just yeah. looked, if you've watched exactly. two Suns games this year and look at the stats, oh, DeAndre Aiden's having kind of a disappointing third season. Not at all. And if I, I bet you picked – Bridges from Phoenix, and I love Bridges, and I I try to convince myself to pick him because he's one of my favorite players to watch because of what he does off the ball. I'm a big fan of guys that play off the ball. So now, but I'm embarrassed by my list now because clearly I have a goofy freaking list, and I'm embarrassed about it it because Bridges was guy number 11 for me. Bridges was my (laughs) last guy crossed off. So I clearly have just lost my mind on these picks. Let me hear Um, him. Zion, by the way, you should probably talk about Zion's guy. Comments about New York, but that's a, that's a different yeah. Um, yeah. that's a different subject. Um, <laughs> so here are some names. You're gonna laugh at some of these names. Let's I go. Chris Boucher. Uh, I took Boucher off for one reason only. It, it, only his minutes changed. He deserved to play this much last year. I know why he didn't. But to me, I, I mean, Boucher was on my first list. He was like number six, and I only took him off because to me, all they did was play him more. He's about the same player. He was really good last year. And, and Zach, I predicted Toronto to be much better than what they were. You can argue as to why they aren't. But the reason why I did is because I thought they were getting an upgraded center because he was going to play a lot more minutes, and I thought he was terrific last year. So So you're not stupid at all. I agree with your general take, which is that this is an opportunity case, right? Yeah. Except for two things. I would would push back a little bit. Number one, he's 39% from three which is 32 the previous two years. Now, maybe yeah. that's luck, small sample, whatever. No, but that's, I like that's it. Yeah, Number two, I mean, part of improving or part of establishing yourself as an NBA player is proving that you can actually translate that production Absolutely. to more minutes and more games, Absolutely. particularly for a guy who is slight and skinny and always oh, getting pushed around and this and that. Now he's playing the four next to Kevin Birch because the Raptors just throw out these lineups every day. I don't know who the hell is even playing for them anymore. And he's doing fine. So I, I, he won't be high on my list. And I initially did not have him in my top 10 for the reason you state. And then I dug a little say, you know what? There's something more going on here. So that was my case for, for him. He's really good. So just for fun, <laughs> you're really going to laugh at me. Just for fun, they're not going to make my ballot. This is a fake top 10. <laughs> Why are Jokic and Embiid not considered candidates for this? I'm not candidates, but like Jokic is averaging seven more points a game this season. On like his shooting percentages are astronomical. Embiid is plus like four or five points a game. And I don't know that any player in the league has made an improvement to any skill that is as significant for the championship balance as Joel Embiid's mid-range shooting and face-up game. 
And so I was like, just for fun, I'm going to put these guys in my top 10. Because when you look at the numbers, you have this idea that they were already amazing. And they were. They were in the MVP conversation in prior years, Sands injuries. They are, they've reached a new level of like, oh my God. And you want to dismiss it as part of, well, the offense is exploding around the league. But like, that doesn't explain Jokic going up plus seven and, and going up in assists and going up to the stars and shooting percentage. And Embiid shooting lights out better than he's ever played, better shape than he's ever been in, you know, best conditioning of his career. And that mid-ranger, I mean, that is a complete, that's a franchise changer skill. I mean, he's always been an okay shooter, but for him to be able to lean on it like that at the end of games, face up at the nail like Dirk or something, it's it's a game changer. It's a playoff changer too. When you start really locking down what other teams are trying to run, uh, in Philly's case, they're offensive, uh, offensively they're already challenged. I think you'd agree. In the playoffs, you know what you're going to get. And if Embiid can can play like the, like he's playing in the postseason, they're a scarier out because there's nothing you can do about those shots, even doubling. Do you see last night uh, against the Warriors? Oh, you didn't watch the game. Uh, I watched the highlights. Watch That's for damn sure. So I tweeted this out. So to Embiid, to your point on Embiid, late in the game, I just put it on. Uh, uh, Draymond Green was guarding Embiid in the post. And Embiid just bullied him, and Green had to foul him where he was going to get a dunk. And Green just started cursing loudly, animatedly, no surprise. The announcers, who I don't – yeah, they were there, actually. They thought he was complaining about the foul. He wasn't. He fouled him on purpose. He was screaming at the bench. I don't know who. Probably Steve Kerr, but one of the bench. And I didn't know if he was wanting the double or Looney to come back in because Looney actually is a very good defensive player, and, and he's helping the Warriors a lot. But – the fact that he admitted, I can't guard this guy by myself. This is Draymond Green. who He, he can guard anybody. He can't guard Embiid. That tells you something. Uh, he, Embiid is like Shaq that way with a jump shot. So I don't think you're wrong to put either of those guys on. I didn't only because, even though it's not an official list anyway, they're in the MVP balloting, right? They're right there. And I figured, you know what? They're going to get their, their notoriety that way. I wouldn't have put Luke on my list last year if I thought he had a chance to win MVP. I don't think he did last year. These guys both do. I mean, Embiid and Jokic. And I don't know who you're going to pick. I can't wait to hear your Well, no, I'm not my pick for the award right now. I've, I've gone all out of order. So the guys that I have left are towards the bottom of my list of 10. Randall yeah. was tentatively sort of towards the top. Jalen yeah. Brown I had pretty high. Uh, it's it's This is a weird – like my last – the last 15 games, this could all change. Other than I think Randall is probably a lock to He's appear on my ballot. Yeah. Grant will appear on lots of people's ballots. I'm not sure he'll appear on mine. Porter will appear on lots of ballots. I just included these guys for fun, but I do think their improvement is, you know, if we're going to talk about good to great is the hardest jump to make. Yeah. Great to even greater. Yeah. Has to Too be, hard. has to be. And Draymond, I didn't see Draymond yelling, but I can imagine you're just yelling about your plight in life. If you're guarding Joel Embiid, <laughs> who just makes you yell, just why is this happening? It's like your car broke down on the highway. Your wife's left you there. You've got a flat tire, a bird poops on your head and you just scream to the heavens in frustration. <laughs> That's like what guarding Joel Embiid is like. So here are my wackadoo, my wackadoo names um, that would appear again toward the bottom of the list. I just want to show these guys some love. Yeah. I'm not showing a little affection under the radar guys. Uh, second year guys, so make of it what you will. Um, Darius Garland, any 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 love for Darius Garland? Yeah, yeah. I was actually watching the Cavs last night, thinking about it. Um, he, this is the, the 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 first jump you have to make. There's two things you can do to in order to be a much better NBA player. You've got to really improve your skill, or you have to really improve how to play. And, and the average person doesn't really understand the how to play part uh, until they played or coached. The guys are just always in the wrong spot, always making the cut at the wrong time, bringing their men in to help, missing the wide open mismatch. When they grow up, the game slows down. Zach, I always say college and high school players play the game, pros read the game. I think Garland's someone that's learning how to read the game. The game slows down for them, right? You hear them even say this, and he's a candidate that is starting to – you know, Cavaliers fans, I never understood the picking both those little guys, Sexton and Garland, in back-to-back years. But they're starting to understand Garland's got a chance to really be a a player in this league and very skilled guy, too. So he's up to 17 a game. Plus, that's five more than last year. Four assists to six assists, 30, uh, 40 percent from three from 35, 47 percent on twos from 43. Just looks more polished. His advanced stats are all way, 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 way up. I just thought, you know, I I feel like in the Sexton mania, the Garland improvement has probably been bigger and gone less noticed. 
And this is talk about deep cuts for just people with issues in terms of how much they like the NBA. You got to take a look. I'm I'm laughing as I say it. You got to take a look at Hamadou Diallo. Like the guy was a complete train wreck as like the guy played as if the other nine people were playing basketball and he was just running around playing something else and colliding into things and throwing up shots that you worried about the integrity of the backboard. They were going to hit the backboard. And now he's playing basketball. He's shooting better. His assists like tripled or doubled or something. Obviously the thunder didn't really buy into it that much. They're like, Oh, bye-bye. We're not paying you go to Detroit with your old buddy, Troy Weaver. I just, I, again, he'd be like ninth or 11th or something if I made a real ballot. But I, I, I feel like the jump from playing Diallo ball to NBA basketball, like they played him at point guard in Oklahoma City at times this year, and he didn't look completely out of his depth doing it. By the way, Shea Gildas Alexander would absolutely be in contention for this. It's just that it's, he's going to end up missing half the season. So That's- do with that what you will. He was on my list this morning, and I took him off for that reason. I was just going to talk about Shea if, if you hadn't mentioned it, because since you were talking about the Thunder, uh, he, he's he was absolutely he would be on my list, probably top five. Um, I mean, he's become good to great. He was good last year. He's a great player. I just don't know if he'll play again. I looked it up, even like why is he still out? And it's it says plantar fasciitis. I think it should just say trying to get a better pick, because my guess is they've seen enough from him. Maybe he'll come back and play a little bit, but. It doesn't look like he'll play enough to qualify, but he clearly a top five guy as I looked at it because, I mean, listen, Oklahoma City was the talk of the one of the most surprising teams until they just made the decision to you know lose every game, and he was the reason. They've unleashed Poku, though. Poku yeah. every night is must-see television because you don't know what in the hell that guy is going to do when he gets the ball. He shoots down. He's so tall. And is he's shooting down. At the, it's, I, it looks – disconcerting almost to me when I watch I he's so the combination of his unpredictability his skinniness and shooting down at the rim I just feel a little un- disconcerted I feel like uncomfortable <laughs> watching Poku play um so I think that's it I I had Diallo Grant Michael Porter Jr. Jokic Garland Jalen Brown Randall Barrett Embiid Boucher probably something I'm free some of the other cuts like I had DeJounte Murray I just kind of hasn't done enough um I looked at him you know, I, I looked at tons. I mean, I looked at tons of guys. Uh, Melton is another guy on the Grizzlies who, because he's sh- just shooting the hell out of it, probably deserves I love it. He's on my list of, of, of guys that I consider. So is Joe Ingles, by the way. Joe Ingles is up on the verge of setting the NBA record for uh, true shooting. Then you have guys who, like, went from not playing at all to playing and being okay, like Terrence Mann. I never know what to yeah. do with that with love that kind him. of candidate. Um, he, he's on my initial list of 10. So is Lonzo Ball. I ended up after studying him more, I took them off. But Lonzo, to me, has, ma- has made a jump. Just not as much a jump as the guys that I mentioned. Uh, a man, to me, is a special player. He's going to be really, really, really good. Uh, uh, and you said this initially on your podcast, that they don't get to the rim. I remember you saying this about six weeks ago. He does. He does. He plays bully ball as a point guard. And his energy is infectious. He just doesn't play enough. Now with Rondo there, uh, you know, he, he does play some and then all of a sudden doesn't play much at all. But, uh, you know, he's an interesting guy. Uh, uh, Joe Harris was on my original list. Boy, people need to realize Joe Harris is shooting almost 50% on threes yeah. on yeah. like not low volume at all on high volume. Yeah. Another I'm guy, right. he didn't make my, my even my final cut. But just sniffing, sniffing. You could don't say Bobby Portis. Don't say no, Bobby no, no. Portis. The faint scent, the faint scent of 50, 40, 90. Miles Bridges is yeah. catching a faint whiff. Yeah. He needs to go like 20 of 20 at the line to get there. He's not going to do it, but he's up at like 50 something, 39, 7, 88. Like he's having a really nice year. I watched him on tape this morning to see if he could get on my list. Yep. I watched him on tape this morning. Uh, he he's really improved. That, that's the best thing about our list, Zach, is our NBA is not just superstars and a bunch of role players. Guys are trying to get better all the time. It does it does my development heart proud. And and, and the, the other guys that um, – a couple of just other names. I didn't really know what to do with Christian Wood, who I suspect will get some support yeah. because he's missed a lot of games. And he was also doing this in Detroit last year once they sort of went all in on his minutes. Yeah. He was this good. And Lugans Dort is another guy who went from yep. sort of barely playing until the playoffs when he became a household name right. uh, to this. And I did see he's a fine candidate too. So yep. 
do you want to talk more about your app? Because I had never heard you mention this before. Oh, yeah. Just so basically, uh, I can't coach a bunch of people, especially high school kids and middle school kids at the same time in my gym in Clearwater. So uh, some developers in LA contacted me and they said, yeah, what we think you have a voice and an experience to help people around the world. We'll create the, t- the technology for you. And so it's, it's all my players. I, I videotape the workouts in the gym, mostly pros, not always, but mostly pros. And, um, and then it's my voice guiding people through these workouts. We do all the workouts. But the most important thing I told the app guys is I've got to be able to connect with the players because it's not just let me learn through a phone. We've got to talk to our coaches. And, uh, and so the way we have it is I, I, every morning I can watch whatever player did the, whatever workout they did. I get clips of their workout the night before or the day before, and I give them audio feedback on the same desk I'm on right now, and I send it to them. So they're actually connecting with me. We have a lot of coaches signing up, actually, because they want to improve their player development. So it's a pretty exciting thing at the ProTrainingCenter.com. We just launched it last week. I'm very encouraged what we're hearing so far. It's pretty cool. That's cool. And like you said, the development part is fun. And I, I actually, this award is both torturous and fun because when you start listing 50, 60 guys, yeah. it's sort of like you, you, you are reminded of how impressive these guys are and how much yeah. they work at just getting better and sure. better and better every season. Like some guys on the list are 30, some guys are 22, some guys are 21, some guys are 27. What yep. they have in common is at all levels, like like role players, stars, sure. guys who think they're stars but aren't, guys who used to want to be stars but have discovered that they're just 3 and D guys or whatever. They all just keep getting better and better. Some of the some of their improvement jumps off the stat sheet. Some some doesn't. You just have to watch the games like, "Oh, that guy just knows how to play better." And it it just sort of you know, in a, in a year where we all need sort of positive stuff, I, I I just would look over these names and kind of smile like, man, that guy, I didn't know if he was a player and now he's a player. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say is uh, it's easy for us to evaluate the offense and the metrics are easy to follow. It's hard to evaluate overall impact, defensive impact. That's what people like Taylor does at Ducks and Threes. And, and I need that. So my eyes tell me something. I like proof of it in data. And I know uh, one of the things I love most about you, Zach, is how thoughtful you are about the game. And uh, these players are very thoughtful about the game. It, it is it is hard to prepare to guard Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and jo- all these jazz guys and all these other amazing players and these Apex Predators. You don't just show up. No, you do your homework or you get scorched. And so if you're improving your defense, you're doing your homework. You're learning to cut off angles. You're learning to take away what they most want to do, what they most like to do. That takes work and commitment and sacrifice and dedication. And, and we see it in their data. We see it in their metrics. We see it in their wins and losses. And uh, I, I, it's not just three-point shooting and ball handling. It's the overall. We're trying to get guys to be better basketball players to win games, not to look good on YouTube. I always tell that to players. We're trying to win games. I, I have a, I'm a coach. I want my coaches, my friends, not to get fired. So you have to help them win games and not just making shots. It's keeping the other guys from making shots too. That's a big part of it. Coach, I love it. I love everything you write, and I try to listen to everything you say. Yeah, you're you're as astute an observer of this game as anyone I know. So thank you for lending some time. Stay safe down there in Florida, and enjoy some well deserved uh, Thorpe family time. Don't beat them up too badly in the board games or anything. All right, let the kid let the kids win a couple board games. <laughs> at, at this point, I'm hoping they let me win some. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Zach. Be good. <laughs>